Welcome to episode 17 of the Process Breakdown Podcast. Do you own a business in an industry that hardly embraces technology? In this interview, my guest reveals how he was able to transform and systematize his painting company even though his industry is not technology savvy by making use of technology and paying attention to his business data. You will discover how his company now runs successfully without him and still generates over $2 million annually. Before we get started, a quick word from our sponsor. Are you tired of being the bottleneck in your business? Do you want to get everything out of your head and document how you get tasks done so that your employees know what you know? Sign up for a free 14-day trial of Sweet Process. And now, let's get started with the interview. Hi, my name is Owen McGabinow, and welcome to Process Breakdown Podcast, where I bring on successful entrepreneurs to come in here and reveal you know, how they've been able to create systems and processes for their business, which now enable them to literally run their business without their constant involvement. And my guest today is Matt Shoup. He's the president and CEO of M&E Painting. Matt, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Good to see you. So tell us exactly what does your business do and what big pain do you solve uh, for your customers? You know, so my business, we're a residential and commercial uh, interior and exterior painting company. Um, I'm, I'm very much a purpose guy. So what I say that I get up and do is uh, we just happen to paint houses. My purpose is, is to inspire other people, encourage them, and inspire them with our service and shine a light of leadership and entrepreneurship. Um, I have a couple of businesses, M&D Painting. Uh, what we do is we paint houses. And then, you know, I'm here today to talk about the system and process of that okay, and right. share that with you. And so uh, one of the things my audience will always want to know, the listeners always want to know, you know, what scale of business, you know, you know, in terms of what scale you are in your business. And so how many full-time employees do you have? You know, we've got uh, 12, uh, 12 to 14 full-time employees. We're growing a little bit year by year. Uh, so, so right now we're at 12, looking to get up to 14. And what was last year's annual revenue and probably what do you think they do this year? You know, 2012, we did just under $2 million. 2013, this year, we're going to be just over $2 million. And uh, 2014, uh, we're, looking, we're looking to grow that a little bit more, just, you know, a little bit more past the $2 million mark. So great. So now that we've gotten past that, we want to also talk about the lowest point in the business. And mm -hmm. I want you to describe how bad it got. Yeah, I mean, I've got, I've got lots of stories. I mean, I'll tell you a really funny story. This is totally off script, but we actually painted somebody's baby once, and that was a, a really, that was a really bad day. That has nothing to do, that has nothing to do with process or system. That was just a bad day at the office. And, you know, we painted the wrong house and painted a baby. And anyway, it's another story, but. Okay, in, go ahead. In relation to, to what we're here to talk about today, one of the biggest just, just frustrations and, uh, you know, Low, lowest points or just just my frustrating point in the business is with I'm a numbers guy so yeah. I very much see the power and when I go out and I generate a lead through a, a marketing source there's a cost to generate that lead and then that lead turns into an appointment which turns into a sale opportunity a conversion and I just to track at the level even the half million dollar the three quarters of a million even the million dollar level of the business in which we operate to track all of those metrics and statistics yeah. to be able to know how to grow, how to scale, when to bring certain people in. It was a nightmare, dude. You know, we're entrepreneurs. We work more than 40 hours a week anyway, right? Um, <laughs> and just the time it took me to organize all of that data was just a frustrating point and a sticking point. But I needed to do that in order to know what to do to grow the business. But I never had time to grow the business because I was stuck in all the data all the time. 
And, and also, before you even got to the point where you uh, created a system uh, to basically systematize your business, tell me, like, take us back to how it was, like, a, a day in your life back in the day. How, how, how was it? You know, a day, a day. So, so I started this business. I worked for a college painting company in college. I've been an entrepreneur all my life, and uh, I got uh, graduated college. I worked with college painting company. I got laid off from a bank. So my business, M and D Painting, it was founded after you know I got kicked to the curb. I had a hundred dollars to my name. I'm six figures in debt, and all I knew from from my childhood of having a lawn mowing business, a candy peddling business, shoveling snow, was knocking on doors. So I mean, I'd get up as as early as I could to go knock on people's doors and, and generate business. And I knew that for every hour I spent knocking on a door, I would get about two to three people interested in an estimate. So I was lead generating. I was estimating. I was following up with estimates. I was closing business. I was going out. I was setting up my paint crews, doing all of the, the what's. And I'll get into the, the, the conveyor belt aspect of my, my business and how it yeah. flows through. But I was doing that all day. And then I get home at the end of the day, you know, an amazing day. We're, we're very successful. But I would just pile all this data down onto my desk and my wife and I were sitting here, you know, what do we do with all this? So we're entering data and you know, I was working just 24 seven and I love what I do. Uh, so that wasn't a problem, but um, th that was the frustrating point. And that was a day in the life of M and D painting back in 05, 06, 07. And so how did you solve the problem that you just described at the lowest point? How did you solve that? So <laughs> we got, we have this big, these big whiteboards in the office and we track, you know, number of estimates and closures. And we had basically this big dashboard that, that I wrote everything out on and that transferred into a spreadsheet. So I was literally entering and re-entering and re-entering and reanalyzing and recalculating data multiple, multiple times. And then we had a fire actually in our office in 2000, 2011. We had already created a system. What I did was I took all this data and I said, there's got to be an easier simpler way to enter the customer data one time and track that all the way through from beginning to end. And it, and it accidentally created an operations manual for the business alongside of being able to enter and track all those metrics. So that's how I solved that problem. I just, I got, I got so frustrated. I just cleared the desk one day and we just started building a, a, an internal intranet CRM for our company. It's called Simple Source CRM. So basically, you wanted to see how, you know, all the different aspects of your business, how they're working together, the different data at the different points you're collecting them. And you wanted to be, because one of the things too is, you know, if you don't, if you're not able to track it, you can improve it. So you wanted to really see how the data turns into, you know, the input, it turns into output, you know, mini money for you guys. So basically, that's what you're trying to do, right? Exactly. Absolutely. I mean, you can, you can be doing all of the action steps and aligning with people to be successful and, you know, turn in and relating that back to your vision and your goals. But it, you, data is power, being able to analyze metrics and data and be able to break that down and systematize what you need to do to make that happen and where you've got sticking points that you can improve on, what's going well, what's not going well. And without that, it, you know, I was, I was just, just spinning my wheels. You know, it, it needs to be done in any, any business, hands down. So let's talk about the specifics of this very system that you ended up building. So uh, walk me through it. So you said that uh, in, during the pre-interview that, uh, you know, you built this, but obviously it seems like it's like a software or whatever. How yeah. did you go through that process of doing that? Because the person listening to this now will say, okay, maybe they're in that stage in their business where they have all this data flowing around. They want to get really organized and systematized like you. And maybe they want to open, build their own, their own custom mm -hmm. solution like you did. You know, take us back to where you were when you, when you got the epiphany that, you know, you have to do this. How, take us through that journey to where now you've actually had that in place. Absolutely. So, you know, 2005, 6, 7, so about four years in the business. It's the end of 2008. We were 
you know, we were over the million dollar mark. We were just spending all this time. And I, I reached out to a local coder. I'm not a computer guy. I don't understand code and all that language and all that, that stuff that these guys do. Uh, you know, I'm a business guy. So I, I met somebody that, that could fill that need and I sat down and interviewed him and I just said, Hey, you know, Bill, here's, here's everything that I've got up on this, on this dashboard. I want to say, you know, how many leads per week. I broke down everything that we were tracking, why we were tracking it, how that flowed from start to finish. And, and he said, okay, I'll charge you X to create it. And then we started working together and we've, we've invested a lot of, uh, you know, time, energy, money. And, uh, and it's a, it's a moving target. We're always refining and developing it as the business matures and grows. So I just, you know, found somebody sat down, we built it out and then we did it in different phases, you know, 1.0, 2.0, whatever you want to call it. I'm curious, the, the version 1.0, how much did it even cost? I just want to give listeners you know, an idea. Of you know, it, it was one of those things where, you know, it, it, we had different needs at different points of the business, but it was probably, you know, four, four or five, maybe $6,000. And I, th that was that first phase we did. Mm -hmm. And we, we put a good forty to $50,000 into building this system. Um, so we've invested a lot into it. We're very much, but if I wouldn't have had it, I would have spent two hundred, three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars in hiring and training and, and managing somebody to do all that anyway. So, you know, an entrepreneur is going to look at that anyway. He's going to look at it and say, dude, 50 K, that's, that's crazy. I'm not going to spend that, but I was spending it in other ways. I was spending yeah. it in my lost time or another team member's time. So you're, you're spending it. You're in it and you're spending way more to not build the system. And by building your own custom system that basically manages the workflow of how work comes in as a lead all the way to you guys fulfilling it all the way to, you know, delivering at the end, mm -hmm. by, by creating your own custom workflow uh, tool, what you've said even in the pre-interview is that you accidentally even end up creating like a company operations uh, manual. Explain that. Yeah, so so the way that the company operates, and I can skip ahead if it's okay, but, you know, a, cu a customer calls us and we collect all of their contact information we schedule an appointment. This system emails a confirmation to the customer. It then sends our estimator an appointment uh, invite to their Outlook calendar so the estimator knows to call them. So the way that the site flows the customer through is the same way that, you know, internally, how a customer internally flows through our company from, from the work process, but then also their external experience from customer to, you know, to company also works through. So all the way from painting is two parts. It's sales. I guess maybe I should even do a lead into this question because uh -huh. one of the things we always do is, you know, during this interview, we always try and get, I always try and get every guest to talk about their business and, and, and compare their business like a conveyor belt. On one end, you have uh, a, mm -hmm. a, a lead who's probably interested in painting, in your case, and on the exactly. other end, they say a lead, so a customer is happy you guys have come in and painted them their, their house and they're excited. But behind the scenes, there are systems and, uh, and processes, you know, working behind the scenes that don't get uh, seen by the customer. And now's your chance to work us, you know, through that entire conveyor belt. Absolutely. Okay. So, yeah, so, so customer calls. We, we take the lead. We schedule the appointment. We send them an appointment confirmation. We get an Outlook calendar request in our calendar. We then call and confirm. We have contact points with the customer. We come out. We perform the estimate. We make sure they're a good fit. We're a good fit for them. We give them the estimate send it to them. We then have our sales funnel and process to when they decide either they accept our proposal and we do business and move forward. If they don't accept our proposal, we actually, we, we you know, we kill the estimate. We, we say that that's a dead, you know, dead lead and our system tracks that so we know what we're not getting. When the job actually schedules with us, 
It then goes to pre-production phase, which is picking out paint colors, getting the power washing of the home scheduled. And then again, it moves along that conveyor belt. A production manager then takes that customer into the production process, calls them, schedules the pre-painting appointment we walk through. And then as we send the crew out to do the work order, the paint, our system actually tracks job costing profitability. So when the conveyor belt spits out a happy customer whose house is completely painted, we know exactly uh, their satisfaction rating, what the job cost, what kind of profit we made, our margins. And then we go to a, a home dashboard that shows us all of our sales conversions. So we see every single piece of data that's important to our business through that conveyor belt process and that internal system. And so I'm assuming that uh, as you work the, the lead through each of the steps, that, that, that your own custom solution is actually monitoring each step and triggering uh, alerts when something is due and when, it, you know, when it's uh, extended past the deadline. I just really want to get more understand of how your solution that you ended up having the uh, programmer build for you, how it literally works hand-in-hand with the actual process that you mm -hmm. have. Yeah, so so everybody within the company, so we have our director of first impressions, which captures the lead, sets the appointment. That, like that that's <laughs> that's that, that that portion of uh of the business and then that there's basically four steps. So the, okay. the capture, the, the pre-estimate, and then the estimate pre-production and then painting. So the person responsible for that phase of, of you know standing at the conveyor belt to do their thing mm -hmm. as the customer right passes through, mm -hmm. um, they have a specific role within the website where one person must pass the, the, the ball or the customer to the other person so then they can pick up and, and the system doesn't allow you to do one thing without the other because our, our yeah. business can't happen without that either. So I mean I, I literally would have to you know pull up the site and show it to you to, to show you how it works, but it's very just very much in line with exactly how the customer passes through the business. And I'm sure that, you know, when you started out, it's not the, the, the way the program that you built now, the custom solution you built, is not the way it is now that it was the way you built it, you know, maybe a couple of years ago. And I'm just wondering, because the listener who's listening to them might be saying, I want to get something started. Maybe I'm considering you know, building a custom solution like you did. Uh, what, what would you say would be the, you know, the, the, the points to start with, knowing fully well that they're going to improve it over time? Yeah, no, and, it, and it's always a moving target. What it was in 2008 is is so much different from what it is now, and then in 2020, you know, it'll be it'll be even, <laughs> even more different. But I, you know, what I did, my experience is I really analyzed where I was spending my time and where those stress points that were taking up. Like I, I have things that I'm good at. It's generating leads and marketing and sales. I said, okay, where am I most valuable? Where am I being pulled away in this in this system of the business? And I define what it was. My big thing initially was metrics, and I just needed something to capture the data and give me basic metrics. And then I said, okay, once we had that down, we were seeing a lot of issue and a lot of bottleneck with this, you know, production and scheduling. We had a big whiteboard, and that got wiped out in, almost wiped out in the fire. And I go, okay, that's version 2.0. So you just analyze where your stress points are at any different time, and once those get handled, there'll be more. And, and then you just continue to systematize and systematize till I can go take a month off and go to Spain and drink uh, Spanish coffee for a month. So, so basically, you looked at the bottlenecks in your business, uh -huh. and, you know, the, the aspects of your business that were taking you the most time, and then you figure, okay, how can I build a system for this so that I don't have to handle this anymore so I can focus on what desires my attention, what you want to spend your time the most on, which in your case was the marketing and sales, and any, anything yep. else, you wanted to create a system to handle it. Absolutely, absolutely. And so uh, I'm, I'm glad we're talking about it. And one of the things is, you know, 
we shared how the transformation is happening, but there had to have been challenges uh, when you were, you know, building this custom solution for your business. And I'm, I'm curious, you know, what challenges did you experience and how did you solve them? I mean, the, the, the challenge of, you know, logging into the website and seeing, you know, the back-end code show up instead of the, the front-end user interface. <laughs> I mean, just my, my thing is just that there's always technical difficulties with, you know, with that kind of stuff. And the challenge is my, my business moves so quickly and we grew so quickly that uh, by, by time we had 1.0 done, we were already thinking of 2.0. That was definitely a challenge. One of the other big challenges was internally um, – you know, it's everybody wants wants progress, but a lot of people don't want to change. So getting people out of the habit of listen, this whiteboard, uh, it's going in the trash. We're not using the whiteboard anymore. You know, a couple of months even after we did version 2.0, people were still looking at the whiteboard, and I just I just threw that thing away one day. And I said, it's just people using the system. There, there's so many systems out there and processes that help you systematize, but if you don't use it. You know, if nobody, it's garbage in, garbage out. I say, if you're not using it, it's not going to help you any. So that was our big challenge. And you mentioned that on that thing, too, was there were some people that really just utterly refused to move forward. You had to let them go. Uh, they're mm -hmm. no longer with you. Uh, that must have been difficult, too, though. Yeah, you know, it's, as, as we redefine ourselves as a business and where we're going and, you know, keeping up with just technology and process. And I'm, you know, I'm the leader of, of the ship here. My business is an extension of me and where I want to take it. And, uh, yeah, I let everybody know where we're going to go with it. And the people that didn't want to go there just were politely asked to, uh, to exit. And they did. And one of the things oh, yeah, you I mean, that's always difficult. That's never fun. And one of the things you mentioned during the pre-interview is how, you know, you really got this buy-in by, you know, you know, having your employees bought into the vision of what you're trying to do. Explain how you did that whole thing of getting them bought into the vision of, you know, going this route. Yeah, and, you know, one of the things that I do, I actually speak a lot to entrepreneurs, and I, and I talk about when you have a, a system, you have a process, you have a how, and then you align with the right people. I call it the how, the who, and the what. So you have a system aligned with people, and then you, you do your duty. You do what you're supposed to do to have that be constituting success. But then you throw the vision piece into the equation, which is basically – you know, harness where you've come from, where you, you know, harness your past as a business, see where you currently are and look through the, the, you know, the windshield to see where the business is going. And you paint that vision and that picture three years, five years, as far down the road as you want. And then you put that in the language that's very powerful. When I sit here in 2013 or, and then say, Hey, here's what M&D painting looks like in 2016. You, you paint the, the future and the present. People get really excited about it. And when you do that, you know, the people that don't, don't really hang around too much uh, too much longer anyway. So yeah, I just put that vision into language. What's in my head, I put it into paper in a way that people could understand it, and it's exciting. And that's how my business has grown. I mean, when someone thinks of literally like a you know a painter, you, you, you usually don't have this picture in your mind of a painter and like technology, like your company. <laughs> Yeah. Where, where did this come from? <laughs> you know, <laughs> yes, I, you know, back back to my story. I, I'm in an industry where it's not that difficult to be to be. And again, I'm not putting myself on a pedestal, but the competition. A lot of the stereotype is true. If I show up on time and I'm sober and I tuck in my shirt, I'm 80 percent ahead of most of my competition. I'm, I'm an <laughs> entrepreneur, and, yeah. and this is my thing. I, I tell my customers, I tell my vendors, I'll tell everybody, I'm an entrepreneur. First, I was born an entrepreneur as a kid. Uh, that's the space I'm in, and I happen to paint yeah. versus a painter that, that's trying to run a business. And there's a huge difference in 
you know, who shows up to, to that end using customers home to do work. So, yeah, I mean, I just, I happen to be in an industry that I learned in college and I'm a bad painter. I'll never paint if you, I'm not that, <laughs> that line that you have behind you, that red wall there. Yeah. I couldn't, I don't cut that straight line, man. I'll sell you the job and, and get you excited about working with us, but I'm, I'm an entrepreneur at heart and, um, I, I just happen to paint. And, and so, I mean, I, I, that's one of the things I'm wondering because you're in an industry where probably, correct me if I'm wrong, this is an industry that they don't embrace technology as much. And you're coming in there trying to systematize everything. There has to be like struggles between the people who you're hiring and that whole need for them to embrace technology. Absolutely. Um, the, you know, the, that industry doesn't embrace uh, technology. There's a lack of embrace of a lot of things, you know, customer service and just being professional. So, yeah. Um, I share my vision when somebody comes to work with me. I say, here's, you know, here's where the company came from. Here's what I believe as an entrepreneur who we are defined. Here's our value set and our vision. And then the who, how, what is the other side of the circle is what I call it. But, uh, yeah, people look at me sometimes like I'm crazy. They, they say, Hey, I just, I want to get paid to paint and then go home. And I said, well, that's not what I'm looking for. So we attract a certain kind of person that really helps fit into our model and our vision. And it's rare. I have to sift through a lot of uh, a lot of people that aren't interested to find the ones that are. Let's talk about your process for sifting through people mm -hmm. because you know I heard I, I can't attribute the quote to who said it. They said technology is basically eating up a lot of you know established old uh, industries. And so now in your case, you know that you know you you, you have to get somebody who's going to buy into this whole idea of you no, know, it's not what a customer that they've been used to in this industry, and so you're using technology to disrupt a whole. Uh, the painting industry, but the thing I'm wondering is, I want to talk about specifically the process you have for sifting through the people that come in and apply, you know, to be part of your team. Because if yes. you you have the who, like you mentioned, the who, the how, the who, and I, I don't know what is that what you said, but what, but the what, yeah, yeah, your process for getting the right person. Yeah, so I'll, so I'll share the old way that I used to do it, which is a complete waste of time, and I would uh, encourage everybody to not do this, but somebody would call, hey, I want a job, here's my resume, great, come meet me at a Starbucks, I'll buy a coffee, and I'll schedule an appointment at 8 o'clock, 8.30, 9 o'clock, and I'll meet you know 10 people over a five-hour period, and I'm in the painting industry, so I go to Starbucks, it's 8 a.m., I'm sitting there from 8 a.m. to 1.30, half of the people don't show up on me, I've had like five caramel macchiatos, I'm highly caffeinated, I'm getting stood up all day. And it's just a complete waste of time. And then the people that did show up, I said, well, you know, what can you do for me? What can I pay you? And it was very much hiring based on a who and a what. Mm -hmm. Now I just say, if you're interested in working with me to any degree in my business, being a customer, a vendor, uh, a strategic partner, a community partner, we're, we're very involved in the community, go to our website, mndpainting.com, about us, go to our vision and read our vision, and it, it states in language, here's why we're here, the credo we believe, the value set we run by, and hey, if that jives with you, if you're feeling that, if you like that, fill out a form, it sends us an email, and once a week, Monday morning, 7 a.m. at our office, I invite anybody who's interested in hearing our vision and story to that meeting, and, and just the process of asking somebody to do certain things, like turn on your computer, go to a website, read, fill out a form, show up on time, confirm. There's six, seven, eight things that are important that they will be doing at the front line of my business that if they can't even do that to come to a meeting, it's just not going to work out. But I don't spend 
six hours at a Starbucks and get high on caramel macchiato. <laughs> so, so I do it once a week. So I've, I've taken what was, you know, six hours that only got one hour worth of stuff done. And then I end up firing these people to just sharing my vision and sharing my story. And then those people, once they're interested, then we, we sit down with the more traditional, okay, what's the job description? I start with the right side of the circle, the, the defining my company, my values and my vision, because if there's not a match there, I don't care what system, process, person, or skills you have, it's not going to work out. Yeah, and, and I'm glad that you mentioned that you basically create a, a, a custom solution to help with the workflow. But then there's, oh, there's one thing with the workflow, but then there's another question that, okay, how, how do you, uh, what do you have in place that enables your employee to know exactly what they have to do in each stage of the, of the conveyor belt, mm -hmm. you know? So, probably, go ahead. Let me see what answer you come up with. Yes. Yeah, so with you know with the the system we have, that's the entire conveyor belt. So when I hire, let's say, director of first impressions, and and we sit down at their desk and we feel the phone call, there's obviously you know here's the questions we ask, and this information goes into the website. So that portion of our simple source website that this person uses is their job description and the flow, the way that you flow somebody through that system and get them to the next step is what that person needs to do. So there's that one-on-one -on -one training, obviously, with somebody that's been there, done that, mm -hmm. teaching that person how to, you know, set up the lead, or if it's the estimator going out and doing the estimating with the estimator, training them. But the training process flows right through with the internal website that we have. And so basically, it's kind of like the system now is that you have a, you know, specific procedures for every, every task that person is supposed to handle inside of the system. That's how you accidentally yep. created a, a manual for the business. Yeah, and you know, it's one of those things. I remember when I worked at a, a you know sandwich shop and they made me read through this operations manual. I mean, reading through one, I, I don't technically have a written operations manual. My thing is, you know, live by the credo, do what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it and serve with your, your talents and abilities and when you mess up, because you will and everybody does take accountability. That's my operations manual. And then the site and working somebody through that is really the rest of the, you know, boots on the ground portion of it. So, And so how do you track and verify the results that your, your employees deliver? So when I, when I log into the site, there's a dashboard, and I can literally click on that, and I can see my director of first impressions, how active that person's staying in terms of generating and setting up estimates. I, it tracks daily who's calling in, what they're, you know, what's getting set up. I can track the number of estimates my estimator does during any given time. Literally, you can search and you can pick any metric you want to see. And at the click of a button, which you know used to take 40 to 50 hours a week of data entry on spreadsheets, I'm able to do that in about three seconds on the site. What I'm, what I'm getting from this is that you basically created a situation where anything, any activity that you're doing in your business, you, you, you're able to put the data back into this you know, big uh, bucket. And then now you can filter the data based on how you want to see it. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. You also mentioned that you have uh, uh, metrics to track production uh, as well. Can you talk about some of those? Yeah, so a couple of things we track in, in the painting business is a production manager is going to be responsible for a certain number of crews per week, and each crew has a capacity of you know dollar amount and profit per day that they track. So we have a big production dashboard where going into you know, a particular week or month or quarter, we can see all of the jobs lined out. So the jobs go from 
you know, being estimated to book to in process to then put onto the production board. And, and we can schedule that out for the whole year. We can see where there's gaps. And all it is is, again, it's just clicking buttons and moving that person down the conveyor belt. But just as much as I have the sales metrics, there's also those production metrics. And it holds those, you know, people in those roles accountable to, you know, booking work that's profitable and scheduling work that's profitable in the time that it's supposed to be done. So what, what I get for that, you know, you you know this common saying where it's like uh, about popular saying where it's if you, you if you can track it, then you can improve it. What I'm getting from this whole interview is that, okay, first of all, you literally are showing them step by step how to do uh, the tasks that they, you know, they're responsible for. But on the back end, you have a means where you're tracking it so that, you know, you can actually verify that they're in, indeed delivering and you can use the data you're getting based on the results to track them and keep them accountable. Absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's no, there's no line when I click on a button and I say, Hey, you did 15 bids last week or your crew did six jobs. I mean, it's, it's, it's all there. And we meet as a company once a week and we discuss, you know, highs, lows, goods, bads. And we put that dashboard up on the TV and we get to celebrate the success and improve on the things that need to be improved on. And yeah, it's very, very powerful. And I'm curious too, uh, when you have situations where, because you're tracking this data and you see that maybe, uh, maybe the estimator, for instance, is not you know meeting their numbers. How do you use that data back to you know not only improve how they perform but also improve the system overall? I'm just trying to figure out how you bring that learning back to you know improve the the person's job as well as the system overall. Yeah, and one of the things that the site does, and especially in the, in the sales capacity, is everybody looks at you know closure rate. You know, I did ten estimates and I got five jobs, so I have a fifty percent closure rate. So. Okay, 50%. That's, that's good for the industry. I had an estimator once. He was at 50% closure rate. My other estimator was at, you know, 28% closure rate. So at face value, you're going to look at it and go, Oh, your guy that closes 50% is better. But then I tied in another metric that says, Well, how many dollars do you capture for every estimate that you go on? So I looked yeah. at, okay, you closed five, you closed 2.8 out of 10. But the guy that closed 28%, he was booking the, the big boys. Big, big money. Yeah. So, you know, I look at all the different metrics and when you, when you really break it down to different things that are of value to the business, they, they may be low in one area, but high in another area. So I say, you know, what are you doing right? There's always something that, you know, a salesperson is doing right. So I, I always approach it with that and then find out, okay, you know, you're booking a lot of dollars per estimate. How do you now close more of your estimates? Or this guy, hey, you're booking a lot of estimates. How do you bring up your, your average job size with an upsell or recommending something that a customer needs, you know, not being pushy? So having different pieces of, of data and basically looking at it through a different window, looking into the house through a different window, you just you see things at different angles. Um, and that's as the site's developed over time. That's how we improve and we motivate and inspire the people to do better. And I like the example you gave because, you know, sometimes on the Internet you hear, you hear people, you know, all excited about how they increase their opt-in rate. Basically, someone who comes to their blog and signs up, they're all excited about it. But then you mentioned something that's very important. It's like basically – don't just focus on the metric at the very, very beginning of the funnel because it's a funnel with different steps. And you want to see how everything affects all the way to the back end where you actually are making money. Like the example you gave where the yeah. guy had a 38%, uh, I don't know the specific number, one person had a higher amount mm -hmm. of, uh, uh, was it close rates you said? A close rate, yeah. Yeah, yeah but, but then on the other end, the guy with the lower close rate had higher amount of money being generated. So... You know, one has to really look at the entire, you know, the entire conveyor belt all the way to the end and use the, the numbers at the end to justify how everything works through the entire funnel. Exactly. Absolutely. Yep. 
And so now, since you, you, you basically have all these systems in place in your business, I'm just curious, what's the longest time you've been away from the business? Yeah, and I, and I mentioned it. I lived in Spain in college. I did a study abroad semester, and I got a chance. I'm married. I have a wife and two young kids, and we spent, uh, we spent a month over in Spain last September and just had a, had a great time over there. So the furthest I've been away has been, been a month. And why would you say your business has been transformed as a result of you, know, you being able to systematize the business? Yeah, I don't have to be there. When I, you know, I was in Spain, I, I tried not to work, and I say try because that means you know you're not going to. You're going to say you tried and then not. But <laughs> I, I just I logged into the site, I logged in, and I saw what was going on. And I mean, I can do that now. I actually have two, three other companies that I operate, and I don't need to be in the day to day of the painting, but I can still be dialed in on the pulse of what's happening and then drop in. I'll, I'll never leave it 100%. It's M&D. It's Matt and Emily. It has my name. It's an extension of me. So I'm, I'm never going to just completely, you know, step out. But knowing that I'm able to and let my leaders lead is very powerful. And on a personal level, how do you see your personal life has been transformed as a result of you know, systematizing your business? It's just when you're when you're buried. It's great, you know, when you're buried and just when I was buried in that day to day data entry, just stuff that I can't stand doing. As soon as I was able to, to get out of that, it's it's a cool thing, you know. When you when I really when I'm in my purpose of of why I'm here and knowing what what I'm good at, I call it my superpower. You know, yeah. when I when I can be focused on that all the time in all my businesses, that that brings me a lot of joy, you know. And when I I, I can't stand getting tied down in that stuff, so my life's been been amazing. You mentioned superpower. I've heard that before, but what would you say is your personal superpower? Is is creating creating a vision and sharing a vision and getting people aligned with it, and then making sure everybody's in the right seat on the rocket ship, and then blasting that thing off, and then seeing it happen. <laughs> and, and so, because now you have all this free time in your business, I'm curious where do you focus most of your time on, especially in the business. Which areas of your business do you focus more of your time on? You know, so with the painting company, I'm uh, always involved in, you know, what's the next step? How do we grow this? How do I encourage and inspire the leadership team to, to be, you know, where I'm at so they can lead the people that, that they're in charge of leading? But then I also go around the country. I do a lot of uh, speaking and, and coaching with entrepreneurs and any group or organization that wants to be inspired. So I'm spending a lot of time growing and developing and systematizing that business as well. And uh, while I was in the painting business, I, so I, I get out of one business and then go start a bunch of other businesses. I mean, I'm, I'm just, that's the space I love being in. <laughs> yeah, especially when you said your, your superpower is, you know, being the guy with the vision and figuring out to, like, it's just like the Legos, trying to put, uh, put all the different pieces together so you uh -huh. have an awesome picture. I, I, get, I get that. And so, you know, now what do you think, would you say is the very next step for you know, the listener who's been listening to this interview all, all this time, uh, what would we, you say the very next step they should take in order to get started with, you know, Know, creating a business that is systematized. Yeah, is you know, whenever I, you know, am on the receiving end of, of, of advice and, you know, somebody that's helping me with my business, I just step back, I turn off all the noise, get off of email, Facebook, turn your phone off, really sit down, go reflect, go to a quiet place, wherever that is for you, and, and reflect on those things. Where are those stress points in your business? Where's the bottleneck in your business? And what are those things you need to do? Write them down, prioritize which one needs to be done first, and, and then go out and do it. Because um, what's the definition of insanity, right? Is continuing to do the same thing and expecting different results. Um, ch you know, change is hard, but it does need to be done. So I'd encourage everybody just to to analyze and discover what that is, and then go do it. And also, I think in, in regards to trying to get advice, what I get from that is like look for the problem you have and get advice specifically for that very problem, and then go implement, fix that problem. Absolutely, absolutely. And there's 
you know, with the technology and Google and the internet and everything that's out there, you you can get advice for any any problem that's out there anywhere anywhere that you're looking for it. Yeah, and I'm curious because this whole mindset of you know building businesses the way you do, it, it, it hasn't been influenced by books. And if so, what books or tools will you recommend? Because you know my listeners always want to you know learn the kind of resources that you've been exposed to. Yeah, you know, and I've always, I, I never, in high school when I was forced to read, in college when I was forced to read, I, I just didn't do it, you know. So really when I when I got out of school, very self-taught in the business. I've never taken a business course, but some of the top books that have been very influential for me is, uh, you know, from a financial standpoint, if you read any of Dave Ramsey's stuff, when I started becoming very, you know, financially successful, I would have uh, crashed and burned pretty quick financially if I wouldn't have read that. So you've got to be up on your money terms of uh start what's with, the title of the Dave Ramsey book? Dave Ramsey. He's got Total Money Makeover and then okay, he's okay. got one called Entree Leadership, which which is a great yeah. one. Um, Go ahead. And then uh Start with Why, Simon Sinek is, oh, yeah, is a yeah. great book. And that's obviously that that right side of the the circle, the deeper, you know, why are you doing this? What's your purpose? And I mean there's there's gurus everywhere. Uh sales book that I really loved and it's a little older school was uh Jim Duncan High Trust Selling. Was a, I'm not heard of that. What was the title? High Trust Selling. Okay, go ahead. And uh, if you listen to a guy, Mike McCallowicz, who's out there, uh, he's got a couple of books, Toilet oh, Paper, yeah. Entrepreneur, and then The Pumpkin Plan. I love that book. <laughs> Pumpkin Plan is sweet. Yeah, Mike's a really cool guy. He's got a great book. And, um, yeah, and then I, I wrote a book, but I'm not going to be cheesy and, and uh, pitch it here. I'll let you pitch no, it for ahead. me. No, go ahead. Go uh, ahead. You've been sharing so much. All the way. <laughs> I, I spent over a million dollars on traditional marketing to grow my business and generate leads. And then when I finally sat down and realized that I probably wasted half of that money because a lot of traditional advertising, you talking about yourself doesn't work. I actually created a, a process and a system uh, to go win business awards. And I was able to go win about two dozen very prestigious business awards for my company, which just skyrocketed our exposure uh, the media, the exposure, the expertise that we got. So my book is called Become an Award-Winning Company. And, uh, it, you know, it's on Amazon. It, it's just it's a system and a process that anybody can implement to stop spending money on traditional advertising, which is you talking about yourself, and then go win awards and get other people talking about you building your credibility, your name, and, and your brand. Definitely. And so what's the best way for the listener to connect with you and, and possibly even get access to that book you know, that you just mentioned? You know, best thing is go to my, my website is just mattshoup.com, M-A-T-T-S-H-O-U-P.com, and uh, learn a little bit more about me and my companies on there, link to, you know, check out the book. And I've got, you know, blogs and all kinds of fun stuff. I'm going to start a podcast, too, so I'm going to pick your brain about uh, about doing a podcast. And, uh, yeah, I just love inspiring entrepreneurs. And just one, one of the things, too, is sometimes uh, we try to extend the conversation. Uh, you know, maybe we didn't cover some topics during the call, and maybe the listeners listening and figured out something that you want to ask you. Will you be willing to engage in the conversation, you know, if they, if they, if they ask you a question uh, on, the, on the blogs, on the yeah, comments? Yeah, absolutely. However, however they technically do that, like I said, I'm not a computer guy, but you send me the message, I'm, I'm happy to be reached out to, and I'll respond to you as fast as I can. So you listening now, you you hear you just heard that. If you have a question about something on, during this interview that I didn't quite cover, go ahead and leave a uh, comment on the blog, and uh, hopefully we'll get Matt to come back and respond. And so, you know, sometimes I, 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 you know, I get so excited I don't ask all the right questions. And so I'm wondering, is there a question that you were wishing I asked you during this interview I didn't get to ask you yet? And if so, I want you to pose the question and the answer. 
Yeah, you know, we talked we talked a lot about uh, system and, and process, and you know, the feet on the ground parts of the business. We talked a little bit about vision, but um, when I finally had things come full circle for me as an entrepreneur, I went from existing to success very quickly. But there, there's that different level from when you go from success to significance. So, not not even a question, but but more of a point. And the question that I might ask your listeners is, you know, as you systematize and, and you convey about your business. Everything that you do and your business does, how does that tie back to the purpose that you have here on this planet as a person and an entrepreneur and, and, and how are you defined and is what you're doing tying back into the legacy and the story that you're going to leave here? And how does one discover, because what, what you just mentioned sounds uh, like, uh, what's the name of this guy's uh, peak something by John Mas? Uh, basically, there's three levels of, there's the, you know, trying to exist and there's a part where you are, you know, sustaining yourself and then there's the part where you're going to transformation, right? So yeah. uh, three different levels. And you're saying that basically when the person is systematizing their business to, to really cater to, are you saying to cater to the highest point of that peak where it's like the transformation part? It, it is, yeah. You know, and, I, and look, here, we talk a lot about systems and process and I call it right side of the circle, left side of the circle. And when you really get your, your definition, values and vision connected to your how, who and your what, and those two things connect and, and, and that, you know, makes your business whole. Everything that I do in all of my businesses, it, it comes back to purpose for me. My purpose is to inspire others to discover and leave their legacy and, and write their story here while they're here on this planet. And, and so, just, go, just in case the listener is, is probably not at that stage where they've discovered their purpose, I'm just wondering, mm -hmm. how did you discover yours? Maybe they can learn from that. Yeah, because, you know, I, I went from, you know, getting getting laid off to having a successful business and being successful, you know, tying vision to a system and a process and people and then tying, you know, core values into that. But really, I, I believe that your business is an extension of you as a person. And if you're not defined as a person, being able to stand up and say, I am fill in the blank, you know, what yeah. are you? What are you? Who are you? Then who's showing up to your business every day? So if you don't know who you are and you put a vision and a system to that, so what? You can be successful based on whatever, you know, the world says is successful or you think somebody expects of you to be successful. But, you know, when I really defined who I was as a person, who, who I am, not who somebody else thinks I need to be, and then put that into that system, that's when everything that I do, well, as I call it, do your be, you know, do who I am and and being in that space all the time. So I just, I went from not being there for a really long time and just feeling not fulfilled with all the success and money and recognition, you know, whatever that is, laying laying down every night, waking up every morning, saying there's still something missing, and it's because I didn't define myself, and uh, that's that's what I speak on and talk on and go, you know, all over the place and, and help people with. So that's the the space that I'm in, and I love being in. And so now I'm talking to you who's listening to the, to the interview, and if you've enjoyed the interview so far, I want you to go on uh, iTunes and leave a positive review. The, the way to get there is go to sweetprocess.com forward slash iTunes. And the reason to leave a positive, uh, positive review is so that uh, you know, other entrepreneurs uh, can get exposed to this uh, podcast. And the more people we have listening to this, the more we inspire to get more guests to share the, you know, the process and systems behind their business. And you can learn from them and you know, implement in your business as well. And so uh, if you find this uh, interview useful, leave a positive review. And also share the interview with any other entrepreneur you know who you feel might find it useful. And also finally, if you are at that point in your business where you're tired of being the bottleneck and tired of being the only one that knows how to get stuff done, then consider signing up for a free trial of Sweet Process, a free 14-day trial of Sweet Process. That way you can document 
step-by-step -step how uh, things get done in your business and your employees will know exactly what to do. And thank you, Matt, for doing the interview. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for your time. And we're done. All right. <laughs>